Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Chizo. And uh, JB and Pistol are both busy this afternoon. So what we've gone, we've gone out and had a, a look around the interns in the office, just who's going to be available, who has some Supercoach knowledge that can help us out here. And we've gone and picked up the recruit. We've got Matty Eagles in for this uh, this weekend's podcast <laughs> It's nicey. How are you, champion? I'm good, Cheezo. Yourself, mate? Oh, I'm not too bad, mate. Now, obviously, this is your first podcast, and a lot of people listening in, listening in won't have heard your voice before. Obviously, that deep voice does things for me, but tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you've been going in Supercoach over the previous years. Um, what's kind of your background in, in, in Supercoach for us? You've been writing a few articles and things for us. That's it, mate. Yeah, um, just just cruising along, basically. Uh, the Supercoach has been a, a part of my life now for quite a few years and um just just slowly slowly you know building building up in the rankings but um had a decent year last year sort of finished in the top 5000 which is you know I, not bad for myself but um just yeah slowly slowly getting there and um hopefully going to have the best year of my career this year now i'm a little bit interested because pistol was the first person to bring your name up in conversations about replacements and uh, substitutes for this week thank god we don't have the vest anymore but <laughs> He's a, a noticeable person for you kind of fading into the back end of the year. I'm wondering if he's drafting in someone else that even when he fades, he might still beat. Is that kind of the story of your super coach uh, training? Are, are you kind of hitting the start of the year hard and then fading just like Young Pistol? Unfortunately, mate, I think that might be a fair assumption. He's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's done well there to draft one like himself. Uh, last year, sort of in the top 1% for, for a lot of it. And then slip to the top two for sort of the back half of the season and the final final round of the year, round twenty three. I think I, I scored two 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 three, something along those lines and, and ended up slipping into the top three. So I think that's yeah, like I said, a fair assumption to make, Chizo. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. We were all partial to a Chizo chase down every now and then. Um <laughs> The reason that I've got you on the pod is because this time of year is the JLT and we're seeing a lot of teams change practically in an afternoon having a whole new squad or changing five or six different players just to fit in that extra Ruckman or that extra defender in the back line. Heath Shaw comes out with a massive score and we're trying to find an extra 300000 to get to, uh, to fit him in. You were talking a little bit about it earlier to me, why it's important that we look outside of the JLT stats before just plonking someone in our side. Well, mate, I think you're exactly right. We, we tend to do it a lot and I... I'm absolutely a sucker for JLT form, so I've I've actually got an article coming out uh, soon, hopefully, um, about why we should have a look at the broader sort of stats and not rely on such a small selection um, of games, two games that um, that players or some most players will uh, will get to play in the JLT. You should be looking at a broader sort of selection uh, and not relying on on these two sort of games. Have a look at the season before have a look how they finished the year off, not just these two pre-season games, which, to be honest, don't mean a lot to a lot of players. I'm not saying that they're not trying out there, but, that, you know, they'll be a little bit reserved. Um, just for example, last year, for example, let's take uh, Josh Jenkins, finished with the highest highest average for the Adelaide Crows at the end of the JLT in 2017, uh, with an average of 100.5. Now, obviously, didn't live up to that uh that average at all from his uh, two games that he played in that JLT uh, series. Likewise, just from Adelaide, just having a look down the list, Kirtley Hampton, 88. Again, he sucked a lot of us in, and unfortunately, 
we yeah did not see those sort of results in the season proper from him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, 100 points is probably uh, Josh Jenkins' total uh, score that he got in the finals last year. So he, he probably probably peaked too early picking him up in the JLT. He didn't save enough for the back end of the season. Uh, but uh, we might as well just get cracking into it here nicely. Now... The big thing that's the big bit of news that's come out this week is obviously Vardy going down with a ductus strain, uh, a groin strain. A lot of coaches are going towards the Lysett option, and the big thing for me, mate, is that you're kind of backing yourself into a corner. You need Lysett to come out and and absolutely knock the door down, even if Nick Nat is playing, because at his price. If he fails, you've got nowhere to go. You have to suddenly find $300,000 to get a bona fide premium in. Or if you need to go down in price, you've got no one to choose from. So we don't have these rookies that are looking to get a game like a wits like we did last year. So picking a Lysit for me is is a, a very much a risk-reward, but I'm seeing too much of the risk at the moment here nicely because... If something goes wrong, you've got no way out and you're burning multiple trades to try and fix that. Unlike if you went with a, a more expensive uh, Ruckman and they get injured, you can pretty much pick whoever you want. Exactly, mate. That's it. And that's that's probably the case with all players around that price, um, you know, that value. Um, 277 for a, for a Ruckman, I don't know. I think you, you've, you've got to go someone else. You can't, can't be looking at Lysett um, and hoping that he steps up. I think Nick Nat... As much as the talk around him has been that he's not right, that he might not be a hundred percent, Scotty Lysett, I just don't, I don't like that pick at all. And there's a lot of players around that value as well. Um, you know, the, I don't like to say it because I love him, but David Armitage, those sort of boys, it's it's a tough one because, as you said, it's you're backing yourself into a corner, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot if. They go down early in the season and you've got not the cash generation to upgrade them because you don't really want to be going having to downgrade uh, that early in the season uh, when it's cash that could have been spent elsewhere. Well, that's exactly right because you're kind of banking yourself a safety by going, say, a Todd Goldstein um, in the early in the season because, you know, if something does go wrong, at least you've got options. With Lyset, it pencils you in. It succeeds or your 2018 season is pretty much ruined. So um, that's the kind of risk that I'm seeing with him at the moment. I'm not saying that he's not a viable selection for the way that you're going with your team. We all pick our teams differently. But for me, I'd be feeling feeling more comfortable going with uh, a more expensive ruck to, to fill my R1, R2 spots and then going from there. Hey, mate, we might as well jump into uh, the teams that have just been announced for the Richmond and North Melbourne game at Icon Park on Wednesday. Um Richmond basically naming a, a premiership side to start the season. We touched on this last week about how the JLT has been doing so much um, for not only fantasy but AFL in general because t- uh, clubs are being forced to play their best 22 early on before round one to try and get some match practice. So we are actually seeing uh, you know, round one type lineups in the JLT. And the big thing that I, I can see from this one Jack Higgins out, which is what we were hoping wasn't going to happen, but it did. Ryan Garthwaite, we had a few coaches thinking, you know, he's going to get a game, another rookie. Out again, we're seeing this uh, this round one side from Richmond basically at full strength. We've obviously got the extended benches with Sam Lloyd, Nathan Broad, who's uh, suspended for the first three rounds, uh, Moore and Soldo coming in. I think uh, Soldo is probably the first chance to get a run around if uh, Nank's still getting of any uh, lingering concussion from uh, his early exit to the Richmond and Essendon game last week. Um, 
But it's interesting to see that those rookies such as Jack Higgins are out here nicely because a lot of us were hoping that, you know, maybe he could squeeze into round one, but I think we've just got to accept that he's going to be a downgrade option in the mid-year. Yeah, mate, you've taken taken the words right out of my mouth. I don't think we're going to be seeing Jack Higgins play round one, unfortunately. Um, he's in my side at the moment, and he might have to be, uh, yeah, make room for someone else because I don't think we're going to see him, unfortunately. Um, 19 of Richmond's premiership players, as you said, that is a massive number of players for a JLT match. Um, it's almost a full-strength Tigers side. Uh, Basho Hooley, another one that will not, uh, not play as well as Dion Prestia, but apart from that, I think uh, I think it's looking like a very strong Richmond side, and I just can't can't see him losing um, against North. Yeah, I guess the positive side on the on the North Melbourne side of things is we've got LDU still named right in the guts, right in the centre there. That's a positive. You know, he's had that little bit of back tightness. He had that JLT one that he was just struggling to run out a little bit, but it is positive to see him in there again. It's it's definitely backing up the theory that we should see him early on in the season and round one. It's just that scoring potential that we want to see nicer because with that elevated price, we need him to score similar to what Andy McGrath did last year, who averaged 70. Now, only the top rookies in their first year get anywhere near 65 or 70. Obviously, LDU is a top four pick, but it's just that... He's not a huge accumulator of the ball. He impacts, he bulls his way through the contest, getting contested possessions, getting under the pack and getting the ball out. I'm just not seeing that 65 to 70 average that justifies your price. I can see him probably going 60 for sure, but I'm, I need to see another really good showing in JLT2 to really confirm to me that he's a pick this year, Nicey. Yeah, no, you're dead right, Chizo. I, I think, um, as you said, I think it'd be good to have a look at him this week. Um, see how he goes against, a, like I said, full-strength sort of Richmond side. But, um, yeah, it's be just good to have another look at him, see what you think. I just don't think... I've never been one for the for the sort of top echelon lot of, uh, lot of rookies. Um, I just don't think the value is always there, and I think it's cash that you can sort of spend elsewhere. If you're spending 200000 on a first-year player as opposed to 100000 who's, you know probably only going to average about five points difference, um, if not if not more some of the time. Let's be honest, let's have a look at, um, well, we'll have a look at some of the some of the um, outstanding sort of performances uh, later in the podcast, like uh, some of the boys like Nick Coleman and those sort of players that are 102k, basement bargains. I just, I can't see, I can't justify spending almost 200k on some of the higher priced rookies some of the time. Yeah, and I, I, I can see the likes of Andy Brayshaw um, being a relevant pick. He is looking like a really good uh, chance of getting a run at Frio. Obviously, we've mentioned that he's got some of the best fitness that we've ever seen, winning the yo-yo test um, from, a, from a youngster at the National Combine. He was absolutely blitzing it. So I've got no doubt, no doubt that he can run out games. And, um, whereas uh, Elder Hughes had a, a little bit of a, a monitored season as he uh, missed the uh, Combine and things like that. Um, the only thing I also want to mention is uh, Bruce is back in for North Melbourne, so we aren't actually going to see Goldstein rucking by himself, which is all what we all wanted to see. Everyone that was looking for Goldstein to be their R1 or you know their partner to Max Gorn, we really didn't want to see Bruce come in because you know we've got one game with Bruce, one game without Bruce. We're literally going to have to wait until the team sheet's on round one to decide if Bruce is going to be uh, an impact to Todd Goldstein this year because we know with Bruce in the side, 
Goldie just didn't average anything like we know he's capable of. So that's something that we've really, really got to keep an eye on nicely. And what we'll do is we'll jump into uh, the recap for the JLT uh, this, uh, games just gone. Obviously, you can check out our write-up that was published on the Herald Sun again this week. We've been doing all the JLT uh, game wrap-ups that you can find over there at the Herald Sun. Make sure you check it out. Uh, hit us up uh, and let us know what you think of our, our write-ups. Have we missed someone? Is there someone that we overrate? Do we underrate someone? Let us know. But we'll jump into the first game. Wednesday, Carlton versus St Kilda. Uh, very dominant display by Paddy Cripps and Matty Cruiser, two guys that we really saw kind of right on the edge of our Supercoach sides this year. And for me particularly, it really just gave me uh, a world of confidence in picking someone like Paddy Cripps. We know he's had a, a, a faultless preseason, his first one that he's had since he's come into the AFL system, but it was great to see um, that he was just take clunking marks. He was getting it out of the centre, um, looking really, really good, 120 points. I think, Nicey, it's it's getting really hard to come up with excuses not to pick Paddy Cripps this preseason. Mate, there is no excuse not to pick, pick Paddy Cripps this season. He is a lock. You've got to do it. I think if he can stay on the park, he might end up averaging 120. I really, really like him, really like the young kid. And if he gets forward and kicks some goals as well, like he did on the weekend, two goals, really bumps up that scoring. It's invaluable. Well, at the end of 2016, he went over an extended run before the end of the season, averaging 125. So we know he's got the Supercoach game. We know he's got the history. We just need him to get fit and to play out a full season, get some form. We really could see him put up some big numbers this year. And I see that's why so many people jumping on. And he's got that game for Supercoach because he's only racking up 20 disposals pushing forward, kicking a couple goals, which is what he wants to do with his bigger body in the uh, the fire for the danger type mould. It's just that body always seems to let him down, so it's going to be a little bit of a risk. I was just going to say as well, one concern with P- Paddy Cripps, maybe his kick-to-handball ratio. Maybe he could have a higher ceiling if he didn't you know, handball so much. That, that's like a little bit like Oliver, isn't it? Very, very consistent, but he doesn't have that ceiling because he just handballs it so often. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, the, the, I think Oliver probably attracts it a bit more than Cripps, maybe. Yep. Um, but yeah, same sort of issue. So, and I mean, you could argue, you could say the same about Tom Mitchell. Like, <laughs> but you know, he racks them up, so it doesn't really matter. But I just think their ceiling could be higher than what it actually is because of their kick to handball ratio. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another person that we do want to have a look at, Matty Cruiser. Obviously, the top scoring ruck from last year there, nicely putting up 119. There are a few people expecting him to drop off, thinking that he's a little bit overpriced this year, but he's literally 10, nearly 10 points on average uh, compared to last year, higher than every other ruckman. There's no reason why he can't do it again this year. Again, we're talking about body letting a player down. You know, averaging 110 last year, I've got to reiterate that. There's so many people overlooking... Matty Cruiser as a viable option. We saw him absolutely dominate. And Cruiser's one of those guys, nicely that he doesn't go around picking up 30 touches on the outside like a, a Brody Grundy. He does it from contested possession and pressure and tackling and clearances. He doesn't need Gibbs at his feet sharking every, every hit out to try and boost that score up. He might lose one uh, hit out to advantage a game, but he's going to keep it up by the style of game that he has. I love him, mate. I've got to have him again. He, I picked him up probably right when he was peaking uh, last year. Got him for a good price, and he didn't disappoint. Um, I've got to have him again. 
Uh, absolutely. I think, as you were touching on the point about Scotty Lysett before, at 277 and he goes and breaks down, you got no one to, to upgrade to. If you get Matty Cruiser in your side, you can downgrade to anyone if he breaks down or doesn't perform. You can get anyone. I think that's uh, that's important. The, the only uh, thing that we're hearing with Cruiser is there might be the opportunity for Matty Loby to be spending some time with with Cruiser, whether they're worried that he's going to be able to make it through a whole season as the number one ruck, sole ruck, is going to be interesting. But, uh, well, there's no evidence to consider that Cruiser's not going to be the number one ruck. You know, so we've just got to kind of take that in stride, back ourselves in. If you do like Cruiser, you do think that he can be the number one ruckman again this year, then you really need to just back your gut. And now, nicely, I do want to talk about a couple uh, more expensive rookies because they were top 10 picks last year. We've got Paddy Dow putting up a 66 and Hunter Clark putting up an 83. Uh, both midfield eligible, uh, 175000 for Hunter Clark, 194000 for Paddy Dow. They were positive signs for both players. Absolutely, mate. And they're both... I said before, I don't usually splash out on the expensive sort of rookies, but I tell you what, Paddy Dow looked all right, but Hunter Clark really impressed me. I would not be surprised if he found his way into my side as that M8 sort of position um, by round one if he lines up. Yeah, he looked absolutely fantastic, particularly in traffic. You can tell that that's his strength. It was his strength as a, uh, a underage player, uh, playing in the under-18 champs and things like that. He was really good in traffic, got fantastic hands, and you saw that with his elite disposal efficiency, 91%. The, uh, the thing is, he only accumulated 12 possessions, and he got some points through two goals. He was spending a, f- uh, a fair bit of time in the forward line, so while he's got that class, he's got that uh, elite disposal efficiency, we do need to wait until JLT2, just to make sure that he can back this up because we need to make need to make sure that he's even got a, a place in the Saints side at this stage. So keep an eye on Hunter Clark. Uh, the last person that uh, I want to touch on kind of in the lower end before we get into some premium selections, uh, more is the David Armitage uh, selection here, Nicey. 129. A lot of people have been talking up how he's going to go back to his 110 average from 2015. Personally, I'm not seeing him getting back to that 110, but I can see some value in him being only 310k as a mid. Geez, oh, one thing I haven't told the uh, the loyal Dr. Supercoach listeners out there, mate, is I'm a massive St Kilda fan. And as much as I love David Armitage and I'm very keen to see him get back out on the park this year, I just don't see him getting back to that 110 average. But as you say, there's some value in there at 310k. I think uh, maybe look to get him in your side. If he's playing round one, maybe he might be one to upgrade during the buy rounds and um, you know get another premium midfielder in there. Look, I think the bit that's tempting for everyone is he's in that similar price range to, say, uh, an O'Meara or a Griffin. They're all kind of vying for the same position in our team. I don't think you can have you know more than one of these guys. The thing with David Armitage that was really enticing, he picked up 24 disposals, but the thing was he picked up 14 contested possessions. You know, there's no signs of him kind of, you know, taking a back seat to the younger brigade of their midfielders that they have. He was really in the guts of it. And if he's picking up contested possessions, you know, like their freebies, then he really, really presents a fantastic option and probably one of the better ones that we can pick from. Now, the two premium players from this game that I do want to talk about here, Nicey, it's kind of the tale of two stories here. We've got Shane Savage and Dylan Roberton. The start of last year, Dylan Roberton was on everyone's radar. He was rebounding off the back 50. He was racking up the pill. 
and we couldn't get enough of him. Towards the latter half of the season, we saw Shane Savage come into the side, take over that rebounding role. Dylan Robertson, with his extra height and his defensive kind of one-on-one ability, saw him kind of play a little bit more of a lockdown, whereas we saw Shane Savage come in and play that rebounding role, and it's exactly what we saw again on Wednesday against Carlton. It's worrying signs for those that were considering Dylan Robertson as a, uh, a back premium option this year. We're seeing Shane Savage in only 2% of teams. There's a few coaches out there that really think he can continue his form from the back end of last year. Yeah, absolutely, Chizo. And I think Shane Savage has probably got the edge over Dylan Robertson at the moment. Again, we don't want to go off one JLT game, but I'm really liking what, what uh, Shane Savage is doing. If you have a look at his last season... After coming back in in round 16, he couldn't get a game. He only played four games up until that point um, and was stuck in uh, the seconds with Sandringham. But tell you what, upon re-entry, five hundreds in a row, followed by a 94. And in the last two games, the Saints uh, got polaxed, I think, from memory, definitely in the last round against Richmond. Uh, so he didn't have uh, you know too good a game against uh, in round 22 and 23. But... Just looking at that form there and his 145 in JLT1, I'm thinking that he has the edge over Robertson, who played as a seventh defender on the weekend and just, yeah, not really having the impact that he did last season. Well, the interesting thing is that Shane Savage and Dylan Robinson both played 84% game time. So it's not like that uh, Dylan Robinson only scored 28 from like 5% game time. He was there all day playing a completely different role to what we saw last year. Shane Savage, we should mention he scored 145, but he did that from 82 Dream Team points. That's a margin that's not sustainable during a whole year um even the best players we see there's a, there's not much of a a difference between a one-to-one ratio between dt and sc scores so just keep that in mind but the thing was that we saw him rebounding outside the back 50 he took the most marks uh for the game uh did shane savage so it's definitely one that we need to see. And he did also have fantastic disposal efficiency. Dylan Robinson only went at 42%, whereas Shane Savage went at 85 which is typical for a get-out option in the back line. You're looking at a Heath Shaw, you're looking at a Shane Savage. These kind of guys that are used to rebound from the back 50, they do have good disposal by foot. And we saw from the, uh, the 21 disposals that Shane Savage had, he had 15 kicks. So... I think it's pretty clear that from JLT1, Shane Savage was the the rebound, and that's the role that we should consider that he will be playing this season. Nicey, speaking about finding form, jumping over to the GWS Giants versus Collingwood match, Stephen Coniglio, Stevie Coniglio, <laughs> a key cog in their uh, center line. He was everywhere, 28 disposals, 13 contested possessions, a match high, attended the second most centre bounces for GWS for the night, and he pretty much scored all his points in the first half. He was just electric when the game was uh, tight. It only really opened up in the third quarter when the running power of GWS just kind of blew the Collingwood team away. In the first half, when everything was really quiet, he was just everywhere. He was you couldn't stop him. I, I don't think we could have seen a more impressive performance from someone we were considering for our midfields, Nicey. Absolutely, Chizo. And I tell you what, there's some players pretty hot on his heels as well. We have Coniglio is the best value, obviously, but Josh Kelly and Dylan Shield, two other absolute guns in the midfield. You probably can't have all three. In fact, you, you would be mad to have all three. <laughs> but um, Josh Kelly, I tell you what, 
I had him in my side prior to Stephen Coniglio impressing on the weekend, and I tell you what, I just I can't go past him. They were both absolutely fantastic, and the thing was, Josh Kelly didn't even look like he got out of second gear. He was just cruising around, picking up the ball, just being super classy, hitting targets. He didn't really think, it didn't look like he was even trying. And that's what all the good, like the very best players do. They never look like they're putting in any effort, yet they're just completely running circles around everyone. And so I really think Josh Kelly could be another fantastic option this year. Another option that I do want to talk about here with you, Nicey, he's on my never again list. I swore that I would never pick him again, but 114 from him on the weekend, he's suddenly back on my watch list. That's he's sure. That's it, mate. He's back on my radar as well. I tell you what, I think with the injury to Zach Williams, I think a lot of people were eyeing him off. Um, and just with him going down with an Achilles, I think that Heath Shaw might work his way into a few more sides this year. Even though he didn't have a great season last year, you look at his stats and it's not actually that bad of a season. If you started with him in round one you paid 600000 for him, there, that's, that's when you get a bit cheesed off. We're used to seeing him being that get-out kick, and that's what we saw on the weekend. He was just running up, getting hands off, getting you know one, easy one-twos, running to the pockets for a quick mark. He looked like he was just trying to get as much ball as he could. I don't know if he's just trying to punk us all and he's just going to start round one playing a lockdown role again, but I don't think he can take out their two best rebounding defenders from last year and have no one else trained in that position and not put Heath Shaw back there. That's the, that, that, that's the one thing that's getting to me here, Nicey. The, the one thing I do want to mention is that Jeremy Finlayson, he's a rookie, 124,000 uh, defensive mid, which is also enticing, put up an 86, 196-centimetre giant. He's, uh, he's poised under pressure, and uh, he had the kick-in duties all night, which is what we heard he was having during the, uh, the intra-club games there as well. We saw some good uh, interceptive work, taking a few interceptive marks. He's good in a one-on-one contest, a few good spoils there. He really looks like a good sort. I think if you don't have Jeremy Finlayson in your team, then you're doing something wrong. Well, that's it, mate. And he impressed in this JLT game. The other the other player that had been in discussion to take that sort of uh, that Zach Williams role was Isaac Cumming. Now, he didn't make an appearance. Um, but with Finlayson doing well on the weekend, I think we have to select him. Um there was also talk that, you know, Brett Delidio uh, might play that role, but I just think it's probably beyond him now. Finlayson and Heath Shaw are looking like some good options down back. And another good option down back that we did get a look at on the weekend was Brody Majacek, 103,000 defensive rookie. Put up 50, which is not groundbreaking, but for a key defender, that's really, really good. Uh, it's probably all you can expect. And the fact that he's at bargain basement price, that 50 is just going to help him make money. Another back rookie that we're impressed with, we'll jump into the next game. It was obviously the Hawks versus the uh, the Dogs here. Uh, Aaron Norton is someone that we kind of have been looking at now that there's been a, a, a kind of a, a difficulty in picking some backline rookies here, mate. 167,000 key defender. The problem is that elevated price, considering he is a key defender, but he does get those uh, those intercept possessions quite well. We put up a 63. You know, if we don't see any better options coming up, 
I think Aaron Norton's a, a a good selection in our sides. We just need to see, you know, now that Dale Morris has gone down, we're probably going to see that he's going to be in more. Uh, we're going to be seeing more early game time than we expected. Yeah, absolutely. It's not one that we've uh, heard too much about, so it's going to be very interesting to have a look at this next game uh, and see what he can produce. I just think, uh, as you said, with Dale Morris going down, he may very well see uh, quite a bit of game time with uh, the Bulldogs this year. The one, the the next player that I do want to mention, we've got a lot, a lot of season coaches expecting Dalhouse to kind of bounce back uh, in 2018. But even though we saw him consistently into the centre bounces, it was Toby McLean that has really taken his game to the next level, uh, seeing uh, more time in the midfield from last year as well. Um, Dalhouse only able to put up a 75 from 73% game time. Not uh, not terrible, but I, I definitely do see him being a little bit um, more of a, an elite half forward than playing time through the midfield. Uh, Toby McLean putting up a 98 from 87%. McLean is just one of those hard nuggets, uh, very similar to Dalhouse, where he attacks the ball hard. Um, I think it's just that his cleanness in disposal is going to help Toby McLean out a little bit more. Um, in this situation, I think that we definitely need to see JLT too. We are seeing a few people uh, talking about him, but McLean did come off a 95 average from the last 10 rounds of 2017. So he's definitely one to keep an eye out. Um, another player that I want to talk about here, Nicey, he's continually in and out of my team. I just can't seem to uh, forget that he exists. Jaeger O'Meara putting up a 79. Do I give him one more chance to impress me in JLT too, or... Should I just uh, find someone else to fill his spot? It's a good question, Chizo. I think, Jager, you don't want to do it, but as you were saying before, you probably pick one of O'Meara. Griffin, I think, is probably off the radar. Armitage, I think Armitage is the better option than O'Meara. He's just more of an accumulator, contested ball winner. I just can't see O'Meara being... Much more consistent than last year. If he plays, fantastic, and love to see him out on the park, but I just don't know if we can trust him. I mean, the most promising thing was his 85% time on ground. You know, he's he's got that fitness base ready to go. If we see something similar from JLT2, I think it's going to be hard for me to keep him out. Just, you know, we've seen the potential that this guy has. He could be absolutely anything. It's uh, it's definitely one to watch. Another one that we should be adding to our watch list, unfortunately, is Tom uh, Libertore. Yes, uh, Liber. I, <laughs> yeah, Liber. He played as a rotating uh, rotating forward between the forward and midfield. Uh, had 18 possessions, four marks, five tackles. I like him. Can we squeeze him in? I'm not sure. It's uh, it's a tough one. What, where is he playing this year, Chiso? Is he a mid-forward or what? Well, that's the thing. We don't even know with the Bulldogs. We've got about 16 mid-forwards that they rotate between on any given week. You know, the only thing Libba's ever been good at has been an extraction beast. You know, if they don't play him in the midfield, that that's the only spot that he can play. That's the, the bit that really, really confuses me. Like, everyone is seeing that 110-point average that he had three or four years ago. But he has to kind of develop as a player if he's going to continue to score uh, points like that. He's not just going to be sitting in the midfield anymore. So um, I think Libba, you have to kind of group into the same um, uh, kind of spot as your Jaegers, your Armitages, your your Griffins, these kind of guys. And the fact that he's $120,000 more than a lot of these, these players kind of eliminates him as a possibility for me. 
Well, yeah, that's fair, Chizo. And, and I tell you what, we're saying you can only pick one of these blokes, but have a look at last season. You could have very easily started with Dane Beams, Mark Murphy, these kind of guys, and, you know, Mark Murphy you could have had all year, but Dane Beams, perfect option to upgrade at the buys. He sort of broke down at that time. Um, I tell you what, we're saying only pick one, but if you want to be brave, you can absolutely pick a couple of them. <laughs> just stack the midfield with mid-prices and just <laughs> enjoy the week-to-week fluctuation. <laughs> the next player that I want to touch on, James Sicily. JB and Pistol have just been hammering me for weeks about trying to get out of this selection. They just have just been rubbing my nose in it since he put up 114 on the weekend. He's had the kick-in responsibilities. He put in a strong defensive one-on-one performance as well. He also had 24 touches at 91% uh, efficiency. I just I don't know what to make of it. He's clearly got the role at 403K. He just seems like a no-brainer, but I'm just finding it so hard to wrap my head around that I'm going to be picking this player because at any given week, he could just punch some guy and then be out. <laughs> Mate, I'm absolutely with you, but I tell you what makes him a valuable Supercoach player is that dual position status that he has, a midfield, uh, sorry, a forward defender. Um, I tell you what, in a year that's pretty slim pickings for both forward and defense, but especially in the forward line, I don't mind him as a forward sort of three or four. Yeah, and that, that's true because we are kind of struggling for the uh, four players in that forward line, not only are we struggling for premiums that we're, you know, happy are going to play, you know, we're looking at Heaney last year, finished off his last 10 games, not anywhere near averaging his uh, his seasonal average. Uh, he started the JLT in poor form, only putting up a 50, you know. We're losing faith in a lot of these guys. Dalhouse have already touched on. We do need someone to take a, a take up a spot like a, a, a an F3 or an F4, and James Sicily really does fit the bill. I'm just finding it hard to click the, the button to bring him in. That that that's the pro- the problem for me. If if I was, I'm so used to, to looking at Hawthorne and just going Titch. That's that's the only one I need to worry about. Add him to the team and then uh, go on. Obviously, he put up 123. Titch was Titch on the weekend. We don't really need to say much more about that. If you want a consistent scorer, Titch is who you get. Uh, the last person they want to talk about, uh, Bont. 125 Supercoach points. He's already said that he's going to be spending a similar split um, forward to midfield as he did last year. Obviously spending 30% in the uh, the forward line last year. It's cutting down on his scoring potential, but you know, as the game is transitioning to more of these big body midfielders spending time up forward, I think we're going to see he, Fife, Danger, all kind of playing a similar role. And he's still young. He's still early 20s. He can take his game to the next level next year. Still managed 25 touches, 10 contested possessions, and 10 score involvements. I think that's kind of what we can expect from Bont this year. Um, if only he could kick a couple goals here nicely, we might actually have a complete breakout this year. But fingers crossed. Well, exactly, mate. And have a look at his scoring this year, uh, this week. Sorry, in the JLT. So he got 125 from 14 kicks and 11 handballs, five marks. Now he's a genuine target up forward, as are these other blokes that we were talking about. Fife's the danger fields. I don't mind them spending a bit of time up forward. We we say that they're losing points by going down forward, but I tell you what, when they kick a couple of goals, it is super coach gold. Now the next game we're going to touch on, we'll go over to Brisbane and Sydney. We've already said that Isaac Heaney didn't really impress us in the first game. Should we panic at this stage, Nicey? Well, as you say, mate, I I didn't love his finish to the end of last season. He really tapered off. Had a good final series, 
But the home and away season, not that great, not that promising. And I tell you what, we shouldn't be panicking just yet. But have a look at Lance Franklin. I am loving his form at the moment. It is fantastic. 134 points again on the weekend, four goals won. And I know they're playing Brisbane uh, and they're probably a bit undermanned in defense. But I tell you what, I'm liking Buddy Overheaney at the moment. And we all know Franklin's... Franklin's uh, ability to just break a game open. He's got that super high ceiling. If Franklin can just get away from those sort of 50 and 60 point games, I tell you what, uh, let's let's back uh, back big Lance in for a, for a big season. The, that's the thing though, but we are seeing him bring those kind of, his, uh, his floor is coming down slowly and slowly as he is getting on in age. We all know he can have those, those games where he can put up 200 super coach points and just, you know, round 23 last year is a perfect example when he just goes bananas, but there's 12% of teams with him in there right now. And when he has that tough start of the season this year, and he's only kicking one or two goals a game, that floor is slowly coming down. We could be seeing a couple of those 40s and, and 50s like we saw last year early on in the season, bringing his price down really fast. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, and you look at Heaney, still in 40% of teams. Like I said, it's not panic stations for Heaney yet, but um, yeah, let's just have a look and see how JLT2 goes. The, the next person that I want to see in the JLT is Jake Lloyd. He was someone that we were all trying to jump on at the start of last year. He had a rocket first 10, 10 rounds of the season. He, he's listed as a defender, but in reality, he really does play more of a wing role, um, pushing from defense up onto the wing. He, uh, your typical runner delivering the ball forward, 103 points on the weekend. He obviously had that concussion um, in round 10 last year, and from that point onward, he averaged under 90. So... Before the concussion last year is kind of what a lot of coaches are expecting him to bounce back to this year. He picked up 26 possessions on the weekend, and we really do see the fact that he could have, you know, raise that ceiling again this year, and uh, he could be a 100-point averager this season. You know, if you're picking him up at, at, at a, a high 80s, low 90s kind of average as we are now, there's, I see some good value in Jake Lloyd. I don't know, geez, I, would, I don't see it, mate. 479,000. I'm not sure. I I I just think uh, again, there's some better options at that price, and I just don't think if you if you're gonna back him in, you've got to back him in for the whole season. You're not gonna get much value, I don't think, uh, out of Jake Lloyd, and you can't be expecting to upgrade him. You're not always gonna have the cash on hand that you think you have. You never have it uh, when you need it the most. And I suppose the thing that's enticing for me with Jake Lloyd, as I look at his numbers. From rounds one to nine last year, he averaged 100.1 with one, two, three, four, five tons in that time. After he got the concussion in round 10 against Hawthorne, putting up a four, he only had a single ton in the back end of the season across uh, 12 games with a top score of 100, a flat 100. And uh, his, his floor went down. In his first half of the season, his lowest score was 84. In the back half of the season, he had a game against Geelong only putting up 59. So, you know, he lost that uh, that kind of higher end. His floor fell down as well. So I think there's a there's definitely a bit of value in Jake, Jake Lloyd this year, but um, we definitely need to see him back it up in jail T2. Uh, the next person I want to talk about, Cam Rayner. We're seeing a lot of coaches picking him in. You know, he's the number one pick. He's mooted to be... You know, a, a basically a, a replica of Dustin Martin in five years' time, but 61% time on ground. 
he, we've always talked about the fact that he just doesn't have the fitness base to run out AFL games just yet. 40% disposal efficiency at, and only five touches for the match. This is what we're worried about. If he's if he's costing us $203,000, even though he's a mid-forward DPP, he's playing a forward pocket. You know, he, he's playing a role like Jake Barrett played last year. We're not going to see him running through the midfield putting up 70s and 80s and pumping that score up. He's not going to be in a Sam Powell Pepper from last year. He's going to be a, a generally you know, 80% inside the forward line. And Brisbane just aren't going to have enough forward entries for him to be a high scorer. And I think at that price, a lot of coaches need to be thinking about moving him onto another rookie there, Nicey. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I just think uh, on the weekend, five possessions with two tackles. He started on a wing. I just think... Again, 203,000, it's too much for a rookie. As you say, he's not going to be that Sam Powell Pepper. He's not going to be, you know, sort of one of those big accumulating rookies. Um, I just think that the only way that we're going to see him score more points is by him playing in the midfield. And I don't think that he has the tank to do it just yet. We're with you on that one. The last player I want to touch on from this game, Alan Christensen. What do you make of Bundy there, mate? Because he's put up 66 He's only 268,000 as a forward. A lot of players running him in their forward lines at like a, uh, an F4, F4 kind of spot. 43% disposal efficiency and still puts up a 66. I actually see that as kind of promising. Yeah, I agree with you again, Chizo. I think uh, Christensen is a good pick at that sort of value. As you say, that sort of forward four position when we've uh, got slim pickings in the forward line. I don't don't mind him. He's never sort of been on my super coach radar. I think there's always been someone better, but I tell you what, at that sort of price, he's very tempting and and one that you could potentially sort of look to keep uh, until around the buy rounds and then uh, upgrade, move him on when his team has the buy. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, if he kicks goals, that's what we're going to be wanting from him. If he's not kicking goals, he's not going to be scoring very high. And I tell you what, that disposal efficiency, as much as you say it is a positive, it's also a bit of a worry. Well, that's the thing. Like, if he is playing a little bit more inside and he's getting that midfield time, he's going to have the opportunity to get a few more contested possessions, get a few more clearances, um, you know, a few more tackles. That's what we want to see for him. He said that he wants to uh, you kind of uh, rebound and be... Uh, that that midfield player that we know he can. He he does have the desire this year, and it's something that we really need to keep an eye on. Nicely, the last game of the round uh, we'll jump into now, down on my home deck at Riverway Stadium, Tony Island Stadium, we've got Gold Coast and Geelong. And the amount of rain we've had up here, it's actually pretty surprising that we got on. We've got a few uh, rounds around uh, Townsville right now that are physically underwater, a metre of water covering the Northern Beaches ground right now. So uh, it's, it's great that the uh, the AFL stars got onto a, a decent ground. Uh, Tim Kelly, the first person I want to touch on here, he only really played 60% game time, uh, only really the first three quarters before he copped a bit of a corky. 73 points. We saw that he has got clean hands. He's an inside ball winner. He's uh, a mature age rookie. I don't think he can go into 2018 without him in your side. No, I 100% agree there as well, Chizo. Uh, what did he have? 72 points, eight kicks, five handballs. As you said, only the uh, sort of three quarters. He I got iced up. Uh, in the fourth quarter after copying a corky to the thigh. Um, but I tell you what, he is looking good. I am putting him probably as my second pick behind Don Barry. I think he's just locked me in uh, as the first rookie that I'm putting in. But Tim Kelly, 
Uh, he lines up round one. He is in my side, and as you say, I don't think we can go without him. He's going to be a very, very quick cash generator for us. Okay, speaking of other quick cash generators, we've got Nick Holman here, Nicey. He's a bargain basement, 103,000, put up 87 on the weekend. He uh, has got an intense forward pressure game, finished with a game-high eight tackles, even kicked a goal, had the most pressure acts of anyone over the JLT so far. And if that's anything to go by, it's almost going to bank him a game in round one under Stuart Jew because you could tell that the Suns really have changed their play style. They've got a, uh, a more of a, a pressuring, a, a team attacking style when they don't have the ball, which is something that we didn't see them over their previous years here, Nicey. Yeah, mate, I think you've hit the nail right on the head there again. I think Nick Holman will be uh, in the side in round one. Absolutely uh, embodies uh, Stewie Jew's message. I think the Suns, it showed uh, showed in their game plan. Their attack on the ball was just ferocious. And I know it was a undermanned Geelong side. They played without their big three, without Paddy Dangerfield, Gary Ablett, and Joel Selwood. Um, but I tell you what, Nick Holman, bargain basement, lock him in. Nice. you covered this game pretty closely. Um, who were a couple surprise packets or a couple players that stood out for you that you were watching that um, kind of jumped off the page that you weren't really considering, but you have to kind of keep an eye on from now? Tell you what, mate, there's a couple for the Gold Coast Suns in the red and gold there. I think Aaron Hall, the departure of Gary Ablett, uh, he is going to be the number one midfielder there at the Gold Coast Suns. If he can shoulder the responsibility... Um, I feel like he is going to explode this year. We've disappointed in his season last year. He's very up and down, um, but he's got that high ceiling potential. Kicked two goals on the weekend from uh, 11 kick six handballs, uh, 115 super coach points. I'm liking Aaron Hall as a midfield option. Um, but the surprise package for me, Chizo, was number 44 for the Gold Coast Suns, Darcy McPherson. Finished with 113 super coach points, only had the eight kicks and, and uh, seven handballs there, but three marks and four tackles boosted his score up. And I tell you what, he uh, went at 80% disposal efficiency from just 51% game time. Really like him as a forward option and may even be uh, a, another option for Alan Christensen that we were talking about earlier at that value. Well, at the lower level, he averaged the second most champion data rankings points of every, uh, of any player to play 10 games in the NEFL, ranking elite for disposals, contested possessions, marks, tackles, scores, assists, score involvements per game. But he just hasn't been able to translate that over to the AFL here in IC. So if it's something that he's going to continue, he shows good value. But I just haven't seen anything in the AFL that, you know, in real genuine AFL matches that say to me, I'm someone that needs to be considered. No, that's a fair point you make, mate. I, I probably can't come back from that. <laughs> I think what you're trying to say is that we need to look for JLT too and see that he can back it up because then maybe he could come into consideration nicely. But I like your left field thinking there, mate. I like that you're, you're bringing a little pistol to the podcast because he never thinks like a, a normal uh, lay person anyway. That, that, that's what we love about pistol. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, mate. I've learnt from the best. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so glad that he roped you in. Uh, that pretty much wraps up our JLT wrap-up there, mate. It's been fantastic having you on the podcast for the first time. How do you reckon you went? Mate, thanks for having me. I've uh, 
just sort of come slowly out of the blocks, but hopefully we build over the season and uh, don't taper off like my uh, my super coach seasons have. It, it was like uh, it was like JB when he first started. He he, he saw that uh, that microphone in front of him, just got a little bit nervous. Uh, forgot his name, <laughs> forgot his name a couple of times. But you know the poor guy's he's good now. He he knows what he's talking about. He uh, he's comfortable on the mic, and that's what we'll get you to. Hopefully the community has some uh, some positive words for you, and they enjoy you hearing your voice. I think you got a nice voice for radio, mate. <gasps> Cheers, Cheezo. Thanks, mate. I hope uh, <laughs> I hope the community uh, enjoyed the potty. And if you do enjoy the podcast, guys, as we say every week, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you uh, send us through that review to our email on drscpod at gmail.com, send us through a screenshot of your team. We do try and give as much feedback as we can. We've had quite a lot of teams go over the last few weeks. It's hard to kind of keep up here nicely. But uh, loving the uh, community teams, some of them coming through, uh, I might actually have to start... Um, uh, taking pointers myself because I'm seeing some fantastic community teams come on through here mate I reckon that's a fair idea mate I might be having a look at them as well I tell you what I said before I'm not going to get sucked into JLT form but I tell you what uh, Heath Shaw Coniglio David Armitage James Sisley they're all creeping into my side so I might uh, might go have a look at some of the community teams as well <laughs> you and me both here mate hey fantastic having you on we'll catch you later here community